This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, we finally got the news we didn't want to hear as Nick Sikevich and the National Crossing has foregone the remainder of the regular season. We'll also bring you the next installment of 20 and 20 with a man of 20 years broadcasting experience, Jake Elliott. All that and more on OTCB. What is good, lacrosse fans? Welcome to week four of quarantine and the lockdown and social distancing. I hope you are all safe, healthy, and still able to get out and enjoy some fresh air in a safe and active manner. My name is Teddy Jenner. This is the Off the Crossbar podcast on SoundCloud, NLL Radio, the Lacrosse Flash, and a whole bunch of other places, wherever you listen to your downloads and podcasts. We thank you for joining us, as always. If you want to get a hold of me here at the show, you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or find me on Twitter, at off the crossbar. I did the TikTok challenge. I broke my phone. I've done more TikToks. I'm slowly becoming addicted because without the presence of lacrosse and being on camera broadcasting, the narcissist in me needed to do something. So I'm having some fun on TikTok. Also, going to be having some fun with a bunch of the other NLL broadcasters, um, Ashley Docking, Pat Gregoire, Devin Caney. Uh, we'll be doing one half of the all talk, no action segments that the NLL is putting out. Uh, the other one hosted by Devin Caney's with Jake Elliott, Brad Chowner, and Brendan Glasheen. Speaking of Jake, he is our guest for 20 in 20 this week. We go a little longer than 20 minutes, mostly because both Jake and I like to talk. Um, but I hope you'll enjoy uh, this week's segment of 20 questions with a man who has 20 years broadcasting experience and he's seen some things in his day. But the news of the week came out on Wednesday and it was news that we sort of all kind of expected was going to happen, but we never really hoped it would happen. And that was that the National Lacrosse League became one of the first professional leagues to forego the remainder of their regular season games with some hope, some hope that if all the stars align, we will be able to still crown a champion for the 2019-2020 season. We'll get all that from the commissioner, Nick Sakevich momentarily. But I think people need to just pull back on some reins a little bit. And I know people are saying, you know, when I, I posted the news about the NLL yesterday, people are like, oh, it's not going to happen in, in this spring or this summer. It's not even going to happen in 2020. They should just cancel the season, focus on next year, Okay, I get that. But we still have to be able to cling to a little bit of hope. Because during these times when we have to, you know, stay away from friends, stay away from strangers and other people while we're out and about, if you are out and about, we don't have sports. Our news outlets are doing broadcasts from home. If we can have something to look forward to, even if it's not a concrete date, that gives us something to push to and, and to keep our, our eyes set on. Because if you were to tell me, hey, you know what? For the next eight months, we're not going to have any sports. Then I really will start to go crazy. But if there is some chance that the Masters happens in the fall and lacrosse plays some sort of playoff system, and summer ball lacrosse has some sort of truncated season. Hockey will do something. As long as there is a possibility, then I still will be able to wake up every morning with a glimmer of hope. So let's not continually 
shut down the idea that we might, might have some semblance of normalcy before 2020 is over. We're still early April. I can't imagine six months from now when we're in the heart of the fall and I still haven't seen a live sporting event. It is a very, very odd time. But when you are in these odd times, you have to, as we've been saying many times on the show since we started this epidemic and the shutdown, is it's a big game of follow the leader. Now, will the NLL be the leader in canceling the regular season? Maybe. It might be the first domino to fall. You know, NHL playoffs were supposed to start earlier this week. The NLL had three weeks left in the regular season. So we may start to see some teams and some leagues make these decisions. But we can't make finite decisions about if and whens because everything is changing constantly. News is changing constantly. Numbers and totals and stats and findings are changing hourly. So all of a sudden we could be two weeks from now and people of the highest ranks could say, you know what, we got it under control, let's all go back to normalcy and boom, we're right back at it. But we can't go anywhere until those messages are said and we have no clear-cut answer of when those times will come. So let's all try and keep some sort of positivity in our lives. Let's all continue to try to be nice to people, especially when you're seeing people out on the streets walking around. I know we're you know, keeping six feet. I get that. Still say hi to people. Have conversations. Keep your distance, but still be a human. There's no need for angry, evil people at this point in time. We just don't got time for that. What we do have time for is the commissioner. And after the news came out on Wednesday, he and I had a brief chat in the afternoon. And we start our conversation with how we got here to a, an executive supported decision to forego the remainder of the regular season. Well, I, th I think um, a lot of sports leagues and, and teams around North America and really the world, I should say, uh, are kind of waiting uh, for the inevitable, we thought. And with three weekends left in the regular season, and we kind of see what this path looks like through May, um, the rest of April and May, that we just thought um, it, it, we need to take back some control over the uncertainty and keeping our, you know, first and foremost, player health, fan health, uh, safety of our coaches and all of our key stakeholders is paramount. So we just felt taking some control back, uh, getting on with it, putting some certainty to the regular season, allowing our teams to engage with season ticket holders and group buyers and sponsors was the right thing to do. How Closely, have you guys been in touch with the PA and making sure that everybody's aware and every step that's being taken is the right one? Uh, in constant, con constant communication. I mean, they're, they're, Peter Schmitz is quoted in our release, and uh, we've been we've been in uh, lockstep with them and communicating with them and and all the players um, throughout throughout all of this. It's got to be somewhat frustrating uh, as, as a fan, but also as, as the commissioner of this league to, to see the progress that you have made over the last few years kind of come to a halt. What's the next step for you guys in, in moving forward with maybe the playoff postseason or, or towards year 35? Yeah, you know, we were, we were, having, we were on roll. We were, yeah. we were having another really, really strong year. And, um, and life changes, so you have to be adaptable and pivot. And you know, today's announcement doesn't mean the season's over. You know, we're looking we're looking at a number of scenarios. Everything's on the table. We have a plan. 
and we're cautiously optimistic we'll be able to crown a champion this year. So we continue to work on that. We've doubled down on communication with fans um, mm-hmm. and sponsors, and we really have um, done a fantastic job. I'm so proud of the league staff. We we created um, you know four new communications platforms almost immediately. We have NLL True Classics on YouTube, which is 24 hours, 24/7, best of best of the best games over the last three seasons on. NLL True Classics. We have In Transition and In Transition Live, two fantastic communication platforms. We're, we're interviewing everybody, you know, players, coaches. I did my first interview this morning on In Transition and In Transition Live, and we're in the process of uh, launching a new a platform called All Talk No Action, which is going to debut soon. That's going to be a different format. So, we're, we're focused on that. And then, you know, now that we made this announcement, we're going to continue focusing on all of that and managing through this crisis, as well as um, really focusing on our 35th season, which is next year. And it's only eight months away. So we're eight months away from, from a big milestone in the National Lacrosse League. And we, we can't let what's happening now distract us from that being very successful because we're going to get back at it. So what can the fans maybe cling a little bit of hope to? There's obviously, you know, you mentioned crowning a champion. How would that happen? Is that something you can let us know now? It's it, Again, everything is on the table, Teddy, uh, in terms of format, what it looks like, how many teams, where uh, do fans attend, do we do it behind closed doors, and all of that uh, is going to be predicated on what we're allowed to do and how we're allowed to do it. You know, one of the, I mean, we have five teams in Canada and eight in the U S and we need the Canadian U S border to open up to yeah. be able to facilitate this. So uh, I don't mean to tap dance around your question, but it's, it's really hard right now with a situation that's as fluid as it is, where it literally changes by the day to be able to pinpoint exactly what we can do. We have a plan we have a number of scenarios that's part of that plan. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're also ideating, ideating more plans and scenarios uh, depending on how this thing un- unfolds because, you know, you just can't predict what you'll be able to do a week from now, uh, no less, you know, a month from now or tomorrow. We get information every day that changes our outlooks. When the world goes on pause, we have to pause with it, and you can't, like you said, predict the future. So we sit and we wait, and we understand you are a busy man. Nick, as always, we appreciate your time. Hopefully, we do get to crown that champion, and we get to see you with that cup in a few short months. Nick, appreciate it as always. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thank you. And in the meantime, you know, we're delivering a lot of content out there, so we're we're trying to we're trying to fill everybody's. Um, need for NLL lacrosse this time, uh, even though we're not playing live games. So I appreciate you covering us, Teddy. So we can expect a TikTok from you very soon. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm not that technologically <laughs> advanced. It's a good thought. It's a good idea. And that is a little bit of hope to cling to, that maybe the commissioner of the National Cross League, Nick Sakevich, just might do a TikTok. Very unlikely, but again, a little glimmer of hope for something to look forward to. Everyone's starting to get on the train. We're still waiting for Pat Gregoire's. Apparently, Tyson Geik's going to put one out soon. Shani did one. Doc did one. Devin did one. We're starting to get there. Jeff Shatler's killing it with his wife. So you know what? These are the times we are in. We have to find ways to entertain and amuse ourselves. And trust me, I'm not the greatest dancer, so I won't probably be doing any more dance TikToks. But TikTok's pretty darn fun. And I am having a blast with it. So, backtrack a little bit to what the commissioner said. And again, we're in a a holding pattern. 
And until the CDC and Health Canada and government officials say that it's okay to travel, that it's okay to cross the borders, that it's okay to meet in large groups of people, whether it's 5, 10, 15, 25, 1,000, we're just going to have to wait. And as the commissioner said, they have plans in place. They have many options. They have many strategies. Quote, everything's on the table. So, you know, that could mean doing the Dana White and UFC and getting a remote island somewhere and flying all the players to that remote island and playing some games. That may be a little much, but here's my idea, if it's possible. You get your top four American teams, top four Canadian teams. You play down to one. So four Canadian teams play a semifinal and a final. You get a Canadian champion. Your top four American teams, you play a semifinal, final, get your top American team. And then if and when this is all said and done, those two teams play, you crown a champion. That's an idea. Or you just take the top eight teams, throw them in a playoff pool. One, eight, two, seven, yada, yada. But again, that might be a little more difficult because you could have to have teams crossing the borders, state lines, etc. We all probably have ideas and options of how they could do this if there becomes a time. And that, again, is where the hope comes in. Jake Elliott has hope. It's fleeting, but he has hope that we'll see lacrosse during the summertime because he, like I and many, love calling lacrosse games for you all. And I didn't know that he'd been calling games for 20 years, but according to him, he got his start behind the mic 20 years ago. He was still playing in the WLA, but much like myself, you kind of have to look ahead And when I was still playing, I was doing some writing for the Rude Boys site and slowly started to get my feet wet in the National Lacrosse League with Craig Rubzinski doing color with him if I was a healthy scratch. And look at us now. Jake Elliott for 20 years. Myself, I've been doing this for 10 years. And it is a great brotherhood within us broadcasters, a sisterhood as well. And Jake is our latest guest on 20 and 20. We've done players that wear number 20. We've done a player that was drafted 20th overall. Now, apparently, we're going to talk to somebody who says he's been calling games for 20 years. That's Jake Elliott, voice of the WLA, BC High School Football, BC Football, BC Basketball, color man for the rush, Jumbo. Slimbo, how are you? I'm good, brother. Welcome, uh, welcome. I don't know why I'm saying welcome. Yeah, I don't know thanks, thanks for having me back. I'm sitting at my podcast little station here, so I guess uh, it's it's normal for me to like welcome guests, but actually I'm the guest this time. So uh, <laughs> off to a good start we go. How's it going? Uh, it is going good. A lovely day on the island, except for the sad news that we received. On Wednesday, that the league was going to forego the rest of the regular season. Uh, we'll we'll get to twenty and twenty in a bit. But okay. uh, when you heard the news um, that the National Lacrosse League was going to just move on from the regular season and have fingers crossed hopes for some sort of tournament or playoff style to crown a champion, what were your thoughts? Well, I'm not surprised, really, Teddy. I mean, uh, I've, I've kind of expected this news uh, for a little bit now, and. I mean, I, I try to remain optimistic and hopeful that we're going to get going back again in, in some capacity or some regard. But the more days that go by and the more news I watch and the more sports I see get postponed and canceled, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm losing hope. Do you have hope for summer lacrosse? I, I do, but again, I don't. Like, I, I just yeah. – I don't know how it's realistic for somebody to say it's okay now until like we're like two, three, four weeks, absolutely clear of it. 
Yeah. Because my biggest fear is that you come back too early and we go right back in the situation that we're in now because we, we tried to jump the gun. So I think we just got to listen to the professionals here. And I know everybody's eager. I'm one of them. Like I miss working so much. And uh, you, you just, you got to put the trust in the people that are, that know way more than we do when it's going to be okay to, to come back and do this thing. But I hope, you know, I, I mean, realistically, I'm thinking August, September. I hope it's sooner than that, but I don't know, man. I, nobody yeah. else. No. Nobody and, else. And, and, you know, you mentioned that you, you don't want to move forward and then have to take, you know, five, ten steps back because we jumped the gun, like you said. Um, it was your birthday the other day. Happy belated. Uh, how were the celebrations of having a COVID birthday? Yeah, thanks, man. It's it's one that I surely won't forget. Uh, luckily, I had the opportunity to spend it with my daughter, so we kind of just hung out, went for a, a bit of a walk, and and picked up some lunch uh, from Southway. That was our our kind of big thing out, and then just did some hanging out, did some reading, did some crafts, and uh, kind of made it about her more than anything, man. I, I've celebrated my birthday enough times. It's not not a huge deal to me, but uh, it's one that I won't forget for sure. With with everything that's going on in the world. Well, let's jump right into 20 and 20. Then question number one, 20 years ago was 2000. According mm-hmm. to the Bible of lacrosse, you were still in the WLA. What games were you calling 20 years ago? Yeah, it's, uh, it's not a lie, man. Uh, check the Bible. I was still playing in 2000. I, I literally, uh, this is something that I've always kind of wanted to do. And back when I was nearing the end of my playing career, a guy by the name of Dan Marshall, who most people will know from, from our neck of the woods, Teddy, is the voice of the Nanaimo Timberman, was actually calling lacrosse games via a telephone line, so just audio broadcast for a website over there on the island called Rockslacks, which is no affiliation to Victoria. He was a Shamrocks fan, but... It was called Rock Slacks, and Dan was calling games via the telephone line, doing audio webcasting. And I kind of saw him up there in North Shore one night, kind of perched up, and I said, who's that up there? Turns out we actually went to high school together. I didn't know Dan back when when we went to high school together. But I I walked up to him, and I said, uh, hey, my name's Jake Kelly. He knew who I was because he just (laughs) announced the game that I was playing in, and and uh, I said, you know, if you ever need a, a color guy to, to sit in with you, this is something I've always really wanted to try out. And he gave me an opportunity. Uh, John Vickers uh, gave me an opportunity yeah. to kind of sit in with Dan. And uh, so I did that for a little bit while I was still playing and and got in a few games. And then it turned out that Dan was traveling back and forth from Vernon down to the mainland to, to call lacrosse games on the weekends as he was calling hockey up in the interior. And his car broke down one night and and so i they asked me if i wanted to step in and try play by play of course they jumped at the opportunity and and the rest is kind of history as they say they told dan if he didn't want to keep driving back and forth on the coca that they figured i could handle the duties and, and that's kind of how it all began 20 years ago so do you remember what the first game you did solo was yeah i do it was uh, it was actually victoria and coquitlam and i actually dan did manage to show up about midway through the first period I would say but I so I did the first period by myself kind of and I like I I honestly I vividly remember not even like taking a breath I was talking so fast I was so excited and so nervous and I just like I was going 100 miles an hour but I'll always I didn't get to call a goal which I was super (laughs) I wanted to do the he shoots he scores and I didn't get a chance to do that before Dan kind of took back over but uh yeah I'll I'll always remember that night up in the perch in the old Coquitlam Arena which I dearly miss so much with the new broadcast booth there over 20 years how has your broadcast style changed because you you know like myself and like Brad and like Brendan Glasheen and like all of us other broadcasts we all have our own styles of calling games but over 20 years, how has your broadcast style changed? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I I think I have learned. I, this kind of might not make sense to a lot of people, but my cadence and my timing, and uh, just kind of controlling my emotions a little bit. Like I know. Early days, I would get, especially in the NLL, I would go way over the top for the home team and not high enough for the for the road team. And I've really kind of learned to balance that out. And it's just, it's human nature early in your career that you want to be 
super excited for, for the home team. And sometimes you can't control your emotions in mm-hmm. that regard. Like you just get overly excited when your home team scores and you feel, you feel like, uh, you know, you just got kicked in the junk when the road team scores sometimes. But I've, I've kind of learned to, to kind of balance that out a little bit and, and just kind of balance myself out with, with my timing, my cadence, and, and knowing when to get really excited and knowing kind of when, when the moment's not there. Well, anything or has anything beaten the 2009 Man Cup for you, broadcast-wise? Oh, man, that that one, Game 7, you were sitting right beside me. And, and like, I, if if not for all the scenarios that were in play for that with the bellies looking at 25-man cups and Game 7, dying seconds, all the rest of it, and, and what transpired, I think I still – it blows my mind to this yeah. day that the bellies didn't win that Man Cup. But that's why I love this job is because – Things like that can happen, right? So that that's definitely a big one. I think, you know, getting the call, the, the 2019 gold medal game for the World Indoor Lacrosse Championships has to be right up there for me. I, I recall uh, a couple of USA-Canada games at the u 19 that were so dramatic and so intense that, like, the World Championships to me, is, is like, that's, that's about as high as you can go, right? That's yeah. the world. Uh, so... So those ones are up there for sure. I, I got to say the the 2018 Subway Bowl at BC Place where the Hayaks, you know, go for two. Oh, yeah, right. I remember that. To tie it for, you know, on a single point. They went for two and went for the win and got it in the dying seconds with a miracle Hail Mary play. So that one's got to be in there. But, I mean, I got I got so many memories over 20 years. It's hard to, to kind of just pick one. Um, you you have allowed yourself to branch out to call a variety of sports, um, high school basketball. I think you've maybe done volleyball, uh, yeah. football, uh, equestrian. Don't forget equestrian. Yeah, I, that was trying, I was trying to figure out if it was horse racing or equestrian. Um, mm-hmm. For for aspiring broadcasters, uh, what's your biggest tip for them to to go forward with what they their passion is? Never say no to an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I honestly, you know, I, I've any time they've been asked to do something, whether I early on, even whether I got paid for it or not, I just said yes because not like you may you may hate it and you, you may be awful at it and go okay that's not for me, but you may love it and you may think it's the best thing ever. But more importantly than that, Teddy, it's the people and the connections that you make doing things like that that can lead you down other avenues and paths that you may have never known you can walk down because you you went out of your comfort zone and, and said yes to something that maybe you didn't know about. And and I feel like, for me, I feel pretty comfortable doing any sport because I watch so many sports that I know the rules, I know the strategies, I know the, the procedures and all the rest of it. So I feel comfortable enough kind of stepping into the booth, whatever sports being being played. But not everybody's like that, but I would say just – don't say no. If you're, if you're given an opportunity, say yes. Like I know uh, Andy Watson just a, a couple of years ago said, do you want to do some rowing? And I, and I was like, man, like rowing that, like I've watched some rowing, yeah. <laughs> Never. Yeah. but I was like, sure. Like, let's do it. Why not? It didn't pan out that it ended up happening, but I was like, I was game for it. So yeah. I would just, that would, that would be my advice. Never say no to an opportunity. All right. Well, I've done 15 to go. Uh, let's okay. go to uh, your playing day forte. Mm. Who's the best guy you ever fought? Best guy? Like toughest guy? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, toughest guy you ever fought. Oh, um, I'll, I'll give you three. I'll give right, you that's three. Fine. That's fine. Spenrath? Oh, yeah. He was scary. He was kind of a guy that I was like, man, do I – like he was he – was Wasn't a, he a hockey guy? Yeah, he – he was a hockey guy and he was a ringer. Like they, they paid him, I don't know what it was, 10 grand to come in and more or less fight. Yeah. And, and the opportunity finally arose. He kind of stepped in front of our bench and challenged our bench. So I stepped off the bench and we went and, and I, I won the fight and we went back into the, the penalty box and he was like, let's go again. I said, I'll tell you what's better. I said, you give me half of your paycheck and I said, I'll fight you again. And he says, no chance. <laughs> that was that one. Uh, Garrett Burnett would be another oh, yeah. guy that, uh, that fought in the NHL quite a bit. And he actually broke his hand on my head the first time we fought. And uh, and then, or no, that was the second time we fought. The first time we fought, 
I already had a concussion. I probably shouldn't have been on the bench, but I, I didn't want to leave the game, so I was kind of standing there. And then, uh, and then Cooling got dragged into the bench, so I had to kind of step in. And, and Burnett, I couldn't convince him that we weren't going to fight. So uh, yeah. that one, that one kind of that one was a little scary and probably a little stupid because I had already had a concussion when I got into the fight. But the second time around, uh, I did much better, and Burner broke his hand on my head, so he was at <laughs> advantage in that one. Uh, but still a pretty scary dude. And, and the third guy would have to be Andy Ogilvy, who yeah, was, uh, yeah. you know, uh, just a legend and, and probably the toughest guy in the league for a long, long time. And it was later on in his career and kind of in the middle of mine, but it was a playoff game at Queens Park. And that's a, that's a scrap, a long, long fight with Andy and not one that I'll never forget. Uh, the next question was going to be hardest punch, but obviously Burnett has that because he broke his hand on your head. And that would probably mean that the second part of the question is you have the, the hardest head, but, who, whose head was the hardest that you ever punched? Oh, man, that is good. I, I, I got to give a little credit here to Rusty Kruger, who gave me a sucker punch one time. <laughs> it, it, it rocked my world, man. Like I, it came out of, and then I kind of looked at him, and I was like, what am I going to do with, with you, Kruger? Like, yeah. You just punch me in the back. If I grab you, I'm going to look stupid. If I don't, I'm going to look stupid. So anyway, he, he landed a good one on my button. Um, hardest head I've ever punched. Maybe A.J. Smith. Ah, yeah. He's got big, he's got big bucket. Yeah, he does. And like, I, like, and I hammer, this was in junior, and I, I must have landed 8-10 on, on, right on his dome, and, and he stood in there. So uh, I'll give it to AJ. Um, speaking of junior, you played your junior in Coquitlam with the Adnex. You got the tattoo on your leg. What did it mean mm-hmm. to you to wear the, uh, the mustard and purple? Uh, gold and purple. Thank sorry, you very sorry. Much. Mustard and purple. Yeah. Okay. What did it mean to, for you to wear the mustard and purple? Uh, gold and purple, yeah, it's uh, it 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 means everything to me, man. I, like like I said, I wouldn't have uh, got the, the logo stamped on the back of my leg if it didn't mean something to me. And um, you know, you you know, Teddy, when you grow up in Victoria, you want to be a Shamrock, and when you yeah. grow up in Coquitlam, you want to be an Adnac. And it's just a it's a proud organization. It's a lacrosse town. And it means something to to pull that jersey over your head. And, and it's, you know, I played my minor there. I played my junior there. I got drafted to senior there. I coached junior there. Um, it's it's my second home, really. Like, I, that's that's where I feel the most comfortable is inside of that arena and, and being around those people and, and in those colors. So um, it'll be a part of me for, for the rest of my life. And, you know, I was lucky enough to receive a Minto Cup ring after their 2018 championship. Um which, you know, brought me to tears uh, when I was emceeing that event. So it's uh, there near and dear, and I and, uh, can't say enough good things about the ADNAC organization. So let's go to 1994. You play 18 games in the regular season. You had 15 goals, Jim. <laughs> what the hell happened? That's, that's junior. That's yeah, I know, junior. but you scored nine the rest of your career. <laughs> and those were smaller nets. You were probably using a wood stick. Yeah, I think I was just donning the supper. Salty made me go back to to a Woody when and when I got traded to New West after playing with uh, with a field stick for a couple of years. He ripped it right out of my hands and said, "You're playing with this thing now." So, um, yeah, 15 goals, man. I don't know. It's probably playing with Derek Malowski more than anything. I would have oh, to yeah. say, like you know, the guy had eyes in the back of his head, and all he had to do was kind of stand in front of the net and. And try and uh, put one in. So that was definitely the high watermark of my my box uh, scoring. I don't know what why it is, but I'm a much better goal scorer in in this in field lacrosse than I am in box lacrosse for whatever reason. I think it's because the bigger net, obviously. Obviously, Jake. Close, close obviously. my eyes. But no, but you know what I'm saying? Like some guys are are way better at box. Some guys are. I wish I was better at box than I was at field, but uh, definitely did more goal scoring in the outdoor game. Uh, do we need to talk about the Orangeville sweep? Uh, I mean, we can. It, it still stings. Uh, Brandon Sanderson just uh, messaged me on my birthday and sent me a, a gif of him drinking out of the Minto Cup back in, in 1993, <laughs> which was very nice of him to do. But, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that that was a tough one, man. Like, I, I don't, for, for people that don't know this story, I got picked up halfway through my second year of junior they went to the Minto Cup in 1992, lost in seven games to Six Nations, went back to the Minto Cup in 93 in Orangeville, and I got picked up halfway through the year. So I wasn't like a, a big impact player in that lineup. I was kind of like a 14, 15, 16 guy on the roster. 
Um, but we got back there. I warmed up, <clears throat> excuse me, warmed up in game one. Everything was, was so pathetic. I actually walked down into Orangeville's end and, and punched Chris Anderson right in the face and, <laughs> and, tried, and tried, to, tried to start a line brawl. And, of course, Dean McLeod and, and the commissioner and uh, everybody was, was in the house watching this and and uh, got pulled off the floor after warm-up and, and Frank Nielsen said, sorry, Jake, you're not going to be able to play tonight. And I was kind of like, what? Like, what, what's going on? And and then this, before game two, he goes, I've got some real bad news for you. So here the story goes like this. I guess a uh, guy by the name of Spud Clark, who was running the Surrey Stickman back in the day, noticed yeah. that my transfer from junior B to junior A was not signed properly. Um, so he went to the BCLA. The BCLA said, Spud, like, they're back there already. It's over. Like, just let let the kit. And he went over their head and went to the CLA. And, of course, the uh, CLA was there and saw the shenanigans and warm up in game one and said, this guy does not need to play in this series. Yeah. And so I had to watch from the stance for the entire Minto Cup, which just it still breaks my heart to this day that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to make a huge impact on that series. But just to get the opportunity to play in the Minto Cup uh, taken away from me, especially from a guy from B.C., Yeah. Really, really stunned, and and I still hold some ill will to this day over that. Halfway through, Jake, you're doing well, buddy. Take a breath. Thank you. Reset. Yeah. All okay, right. I'm gonna have um, a sip of coffee here. Hang yeah, I know your dad is a a big part of your life, and obviously with everything that's going on, you're unable to see him because he's in a in an old folks' home. But how is your dad doing? And he's still able to talk to him. Yeah, I mean, thanks for asking about that, Teddy. And, and uh, I did have a chance to FaceTime my dad uh, on my birthday, which which is nice to, to see his face. Unfortunately, like, my dad is still very cognizant. He still understands. He can still see. He can still hear. But he can't communicate. He can't talk. Right. So it's it's been very difficult. Usually I go have lunch with him three, four five times a week and, and kind of help him eat and sit with him and just kind of, you know, fill him in on what's going on in the world and sports and lacrosse and all that sort of stuff. And I haven't been able to do that. And then, you know, to FaceTime him, it's great to be able to see his face, but yeah. it's more or less me talking at him and him nodding and kind of giving me a thumbs up or a thumbs down sort of thing. So it's been pretty difficult, but I mean, I just, I'm so thankful for just the the technology to be able to FaceTime him because I yeah. couldn't imagine, like I wouldn't be able to just call him on the phone because it'd just be silent on the other end. So at least when I'm FaceTiming, I can see his face and he can make a few reactions and give me a thumbs up. So that's uh, that's been really difficult, but it's also been a bit of a blessing that, that FaceTime is available to, to be able to kind of communicate with him. What kind of a dad was he watching you play lacrosse? Was he a vocal dad? Was he a sit in the corner because he didn't want to be around the other parents kind of dad? What kind of what was your memories of your dad being at your game? Yeah, I mean, my dad would be at every game. I I remember that for sure. And he was he was a coach. He's a high school teacher and, and a coach uh, of basketball and track and field while he was while he was teaching. So he's got coaching blood in him, and that's probably where I got the coaching bug from as well. But um, he he wouldn't say much like on the ride home, he would kind of, he'd give me a tip or two, but he would never like lay into me or say, I got to do this. I got to do that. He'd get a little nervous when I would fight. Um, my mom would never even come to games because she was so worried that I was going to get hurt playing lacrosse. She could just not bring herself to come and watch me play. And I said, mom, like I'm the one doing the hurting. You don't have to worry about me getting hurt. Uh, but I couldn't convince her to that. But my dad was, was always uh, my number one fan, and you know he, he even made trips down to California to come and watch me play at nice. university and stuff. So uh, huge supporter, and and you know never anything but encouraging and supporting. Uh, for those that follow you on social media, have noticed that you've gone a little bit from jumbo to slimbo. Uh, you're over a hundred pounds. Congratulations, that is a, a heck of a feat. What was the tipping point for you? Um, to say, hey, you know what, enough's enough. i got to do something about the way my body feels, the way I am health-wise, uh, and get on this diet plan. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I would say it's not a diet plan, Teddy. It's a lifestyle change yeah, more than anything. But, uh, but thank you for that as well. And I have, like, a, a bit of a hard time accepting congratulations because I, I think to myself, like, nobody put the 100 pounds on. Yeah. Nobody congratulated <laughs> me for that, right? So I kind of did it to myself, but uh, the tipping point really 
was when I got to Saskatchewan for my first game and watched the replay and saw myself on camera. Yeah. And uh, I was like, good Lord. Like, I, I didn't like looking at myself. So I, I kind of went home and, and I, I said to my girlfriend, Danny, I said, uh, I don't like the way I look. And, and so I stepped on a scale and I looked there. I said, I think this thing's broken. Because that's what the number said on it. She kind of looked at me with her eyebrows raised and said, like, I don't, I don't think it is. And yeah. so that was, uh, that was kind of the eye opener when I realized I was, I was close to 400 pounds. And, and uh, I was like, man, I got to. I got to do something here. So I, I more or less like I just started walking around a, a lake once a day. And then I started walking around that lake twice, uh, a couple of times a week and just very gradually started the path and, and then just kind of kept ramping things up. And, and then I set a goal for myself that I wanted to try and lose a hundred pounds in, in a 12 month uh, span. And, and I came up just short. It took me a, a year and 17 days to accomplish the feat, but uh, I did it. And, and I'm still kind of striving to, to do a little more. It's definitely slowed down a little bit. I'll, I'll say that, but I'm feeling a lot better. And, and, you know, just my hip alone, like I need a hip replacement and, and like, I mentioned the other day on social media that I used to take arthritic or Celebrex every single day along with Tylenol just because of the pain. And since this weight has continually started to come off, I've, I've, and especially with COVID going on right now, I don't want to take any kind of unnecessary medication. So I've, I've stopped taking it. I'm like on like three weeks without it now and, and I'm feeling better than ever. So, um, it's been a, a long, long road, man. A lot of salad, a lot of sweat. But yeah. uh, now, now, like, I'm at the point where I miss the gym dearly. Like, I miss it so much. So, I, that's just one of the things I'm looking forward to the most is getting back and, and feeling that, that pump again uh, after lifting some weights. What's your biggest pet peeve at the gym? Oh, man, I got a lot. I, got a lot <laughs> I figured you would. Um. Yeah. Oh man, where do I start? People taking their shoes off. What? Yeah, to stretch or or whatever. I like. I don't know what the benefit is to taking your shoes off to stretch, but I see people do that a lot. I see people picking at their zits, oh. uh, which is just disgusting. I see people pick their nose. Um, you know, and, and then you got the regular ones, not wiping down your gear or your bench yeah. or whatever. But uh, yeah, that, that's probably the top of the list, taking off your shoes. Or people that just sit there and talk super loud. That's just you my pet peeve like, in general. Yeah, well, like, I mean, you're like, use your inside voice. Uh, it's funny, there's an old Vancouver Berard in my gym that just knows Enrico Belushi is his name. Oh, yeah, I know the name. Um, and. And he is an absolute weapon, this guy. But he literally knows everybody in the gym. He's an old Eastman Italian guy. And he just, like, he has no filter. Like, his F-bombs and the top of his voice and <laughs> in the gym. So I kind of try and steer clear. I give him the, the head nod and, and put my headphones in and keep moving. But uh, he's, a, he's a beauty, and I always see him there. No, right, running short on time, not really, but we're already over 20 minutes. But you like to talk, it's okay. I like no, to talk. No, no, I got nowhere to be, man. Yeah, we're good. All right, we got be. five more for you. Um, you are an Xbox gamer, uh, and apparently you are the world's best at Casey Powell lacrosse. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, when the, the game first came out, I, was, I actually got a PlayStation 2, and, and I had people challenging me on PlayStation 2, so I bought the game for both consoles. And there was a time there, Teddy, and I don't know if this is something I should brag about, but uh, I was ranked number one on both platforms for a long stretch of time. I was bouncing back and forth. They actually uh, shoot out for soldiers, and Casey Powell put on a, like a March Madness 64-man tournament. I took that down with the ease. Wow, I, I I've never been so good at a video. I don't know why, but I've never been so good at any video. And I've been playing video games since I was a youngster. Yeah, but I just dominate that game. Like people cannot touch me in that game. So if anybody wants a piece, uh, PXP for sports on Xbox, I'll take you on. I'll put some money on the line. Whatever you want to do. Oh, wow. Um, what are you watching on Netflix? Changing oh, anything? Everything? Yeah, I, I went back and watched, well, Danny had watched uh, Breaking Bad before, so we just crushed oh, yeah. five seasons of Breaking Bad together. Now we're on to Better Call Saul, because that's the logical thing to do, right? Yeah. Uh, Ozark uh, killed that new series. Tiger King did that one, just, I don't know why I did that, but what a train wreck that was. <laughs> uh, 
So those are kind of the latest ones. Big fan of Ozark, man. I think that yeah. show was fantastic. And uh, yeah, I'm checking checking the Netflix to see what comes out almost on a daily basis. Uh, so not much else to do except play bids and watch Netflix right absolutely, now. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, everyone else has hopped on the TikTok train. Where are you? Mm, yeah, man. Uh, congratulations on that uh, hypo turbo Macarena uh, dance that that she did there. Uh, sorry about the phone as well, man. Oh, uh, that was brutal. That's a tough. Uh, that's a tough silk right there. This but. Is a tough uh, you know what? Uh, my daughter's big on the TikTok, and she's kind of starting to dial me in a little bit about uh, how to do these things. And uh, I'm waiting. I, I put it out there. I said, when Shannon... Be a leader, said, not a follower, Jake. Be Shen- a leader, <laughs> not a follower. No, listen. Rip uh, texted me yesterday, wished me a happy birthday, and I said, I'm looking forward to the TikTok, man. I kind of gave him a wink. He says, oh, it's going to be out by the end of the week. So, Uh-oh. Uh, Rip coming out with one now. If, if Shani... I like if this thing comes out, like I cannot wait to see this. But uh, I'm a man of my word. If those two, well, Shani did wanna, his. I, oh, did he? I haven't seen. Yeah, that. yeah, he posted well, it the other day. Okay, so yeah, well, I'll, you're uh, halfway there, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, uh, for people that don't know, Teddy, I, I actually posted up a little video of myself just dancing in my living room because uh, I was just going nuts. So I. I threw on some James Brown and uh, just got after it a little bit. That's up on Facebook if you want to search for that. I'm not going to tell you how to find it, but it's up there and on the internet. Jumbo dancing to James Brown in his living room is out there on Facebook if you want to find that. Uh, What's the food you're craving the most during these pandemic times? Oh, man. I crave food so much, Teddy. (laughs) Like, I, and I, and I've, that's been, one of the most difficult things is to, you know, to keep the weight down while we're kind of cooped up here. I've been like going on YouTube and finding body weight workouts by all sorts of different people. And some I can do, some I can't, yeah. <laughs> some I regret doing. But anyways, trying to keep the weight off and trying to eat properly has is, is been uh, challenging during these times. But I would say, man, I love fries. I love burgers, I love pizza, mm. and I love candy. <laughs> so those are those are things I miss quite a bit, and uh, and now I just try and substitute them for like celery and carrots. And, it's the worst. Uh, last carrots. one, last one. Favorite okay. lacrosse memory of all time. Favorite lacrosse memory of all time. Wow. Like for myself personally. Yeah. Just your favorite memory of lacrosse, the sport. What it's given you, what it's shown you, where it's taken you. I know you haven't won much being a Sam Belly oh, and Mad Max. Uh, I would say, well, okay, you want to you talk like that, Jenner? I'll <laughs> say this. Uh, 1994, senior men's field lacrosse national oh, nice. in my backyard in Coquillum at Town Center. Uh, with a trip to Baltimore to take on Gary Gates' Team Toyota in the Brogdon mm. Cup way back when. Beat yeah. your Waxman, loaded with Team Canada players uh, in the gold medal game. Scored a couple of goals in that game as well, and uh, that was a celebration I'll never forget. I miss those days. Yeah. Those, uh, those in, club field across days were phenomenal. Oh, man. Like, you know, we'd take the trip over to Victoria. Victoria would come over. New West had a team back in, in the, the day in, in that yeah. league as well. And those, like, there was no – all the top players were playing field lacrosse because they – especially in the West because they weren't – No NLA. Right. Yeah. So it was high-level, high-level field lacrosse. I want to throw the 2006 uh, – nationals in there as well where the beer hunters went back to oh, nice. Montreal and claimed the title and yeah. I got some stories uh, from that road trip that cannot be shared on online no no uh, Jumbo always a pleasure my friend uh, you do great work 20 years of coverage is uh, no feet to scoff at congratulations on everything you've accomplished the weight loss the health calling games uh, you're looking great um, stay safe my friend appreciate it man get yourself uh, get yourself an otter box for your for your new phone and uh you keep up the good work as well it's up to guys like us uh 
to kind of keep pushing the content out right now, especially in these challenging times, Teddy. So I appreciate you and everything that you do, and I uh, appreciate you having me on here on OTCB. It's been a while, man. I, I don't know what appearance this is for me on OTCB. It's got to be we're, – we're approaching double digits. Well, we're close. I'll have to go back and look. We're close. Okay. Well, thanks, man. Appreciate it. That is Jake Elliott. You can find him on Twitter, at PXP for sports. It's pretty straightforward. But he has done a wonderful job at not only taking care of himself, but his father. So we wish um, his father the best of health. And we wish Jake continued success on his deep dive into a new lifestyle. And if you've seen pictures of Jake, whether it's still frames or whether it's um, some of the videos that he's done for the National Crossing on social media, he looks like half a man than he used to do. It is ridiculous. If you go back and find those early Saskatchewan broadcasts and go look at them now, um, yeah, he, he looked completely different. He still's got that jumbo look to the face, but the rest of them is just uh, half what it was to, what it used to be. So, uh, congratulations to Jumbo on um, all the healthy success, and of course on twenty years broadcasting the sport of lacrosse and many other sports. Like, I can't imagine calling equestrian, but damn, that would be fun. That would be fun. So that's another episode here of 20 and 20 on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Thanks to Jake, and of course, thanks to the commissioner, Nick Sakevich, for giving us a good six minutes just to talk about these crazy, crazy times and what to look ahead for in the National Lacrosse League. Let's all keep our fingers crossed that... This pandemic can be lifted. The world can become healthy again. And we can get back to some semblance of normalcy with sports, jobs, life, and the outdoors. Find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar or email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you in a week's time. Until then, be excellent to each other. I am an outlaw.